I'm sort of paranoid. There's an army of slugs trying to take over the world, and my brother's one of them. A controller. You ever hear this saying that human beings are reluctant to change? I guess they've never met any of my friends before. If you want to save the world, you have to change. When it comes to the Yerks, all we know is that they're trying to destroy us. Everyone we know and our planet. But we're a threat to them. Five teenagers. I know my friends and I can save Tom. I'm going to use Elthango's gift. The power to morph. I realize what's at stake here. It's the total ruin of our planet by the Yerks. And it's scary. Every time I do something, I get a little stronger and I get smarter. I'm scared too. But fear doesn't stop me. Because I'm more afraid of what will happen if I don't do anything. And when I morphed into the tiger, you know, I wasn't afraid for a second. No Yerk was going to stand in my way. Feeling like the tigers changed me. You know, made me confident, stronger. I'm not as afraid anymore. Welcome to Thought Speak, a podcast dedicated to the weekly discussion of Kay Applegate's 1996 book series, Animorphs. My name is Coleman. And my name's Mitchell. I just want to jump right into uh, what we're going to talk about today. Obviously, we're reviewing book nine, The Secret. I'm sure that's why you clicked on this episode. Yeah, to hear some hot secret <laughs> chat. But no, no, no. But I, I want to jump into the discussion today because we have a lot of emails to read after the end of the show, some comments. Uh, we actually got a couple questions that I thought were particularly interesting to talk about at the beginning of the show. But you had a couple things you wanted to talk about first, so I'll let you jump right into that. Right, yeah. I just briefly wanted to mention that uh, I was uh, perusing the bookstore like I do the other day, and um, a book jumped out at me, not literally, called Eve and Adam. And I had no idea, but it was a uh, Catherine Applegate-Michael Grant collaboration book. I just think that was awesome that uh, he finally got on the cover. You know, <laughs> they're working together. I'm glad he finally got some recognition. <laughs> well, it would actually be really interesting to uh, find out how much of it he wrote and how much he was responsible for. But um, I just thought the the about the authors page on the back is kind of cool because it um, in Michael Grant's part it says uh, Michael Grant's the author of the Berserk series and the best-selling Gone series. Together, as K. A. Applegate, he and Catherine wrote. The very popular Animorphs series. Eve and Adam is their first credited collaboration. I have a feeling that a lot of the hard concepts, or the a lot of the hard sci-fi concepts in Animorphs, and uh, a lot of the brutality probably came from him. Hmm. Well, that would be interesting to to find out about. I'm sure. I'm sure all of Book Nine came from her. <laughs> <laughs> well, I only say that because a lot of the series he's gone off and written by himself are pretty brutal. Uh, having to do with kids and yeah i i really want to read that uh gone series because all the kids in the uh classroom that i work in are are reading that currently i see it sitting on their desks every day and i'm like oh, i just want to steal that kid's book <laughs> yeah so i don't know I, I i attribute a lot of the uh best aspects of animorphs to michael grant and that's coming from very little knowledge but 
That's my opinion. <laughs> and I, I did uh, find and buy the first Berserk book as well. So I really want to read that. But Animorphs are just taking up all my time. Yeah, Animorphs. Not necessarily a bad thing. <laughs> Definitely not. Except when it's a not as good book in the series. Right, yeah. <laughs> oh, um, I, uh, I, I guess I should point out that uh, if my voice sounds different at all, it is because I am currently going through a cold. Uh, it's uh, unfortunate, but I might be blowing my nose and sniffling throughout the episode. And it really sucks because I, I really should have timed it for uh, our review of book 12. That would be the fitting time to have a cold. I don't know, man. I think it gives your voice like a smoky texture that's perfect for podcast radio. <laughs> Why, thank you. <laughs> um, so did you have anything else that you wanted to drop on our listeners? Um, I built a garden bed over the weekend. It's pretty no sweet. No one cares about your garden. <laughs> I have a couple questions from listeners that I thought were pretty interesting, or at least that we would have strong opinions on, and uh, they were unique questions other than the you know, hundreds of emails we get just talking about how great our show is and how great we are as hosts. Yeah, these it's a good thing we turned on that up. spam filter. <laughs> First question is... Okay, I gotta, I gotta set this up. I can't just, I can't just ask. You. <laughs> um, first off, you gotta picture movies with animals, like well-known movies with animals. There's tons of them out there, um, but just get a couple in your head or think about it. And the question is basically, it's almost a game you could play, like a drinking game. But take a, take a movie that has a prominent animal in it that's either relevant to the plot or is there the entire time. Everybody's. Yeah, yeah. Imagine if throughout that entire movie, the animal were an animorph in morph. So, what movie would be the most interesting if you knew the entire time that it was an animorph actually in morph during the plot of the movie? Oh, um, Homeward Bound. All three of them. <laughs> That's Shadow, cheap. Shadow, Chance, and Sassy. All three of them are uh, Marco, Axe, and uh, let's say Rachel. I think you could actually edit that movie into an Animorphs movie because they're thought speaking to each other. They're, you know, like... there's the next fan project. Start, start re-editing famous animal movies with, uh, <laughs> with the Animorphs interwoven in. Yeah. Well, the only thing with that one is you'd have to think that, um, that these, whoever these Animorphs are, they've kind of gone insane because all they're talking about is getting home to their masters and like sleeping by the window and well, that's just the movie dialogue. You'd re-edit it for, for whatever purpose. I mean, they'd be, you know, running from hork out in the forests. <laughs> Look, Jake, a yerk uh, mountain lion. We better stop it. <laughs> old Yeller. And uh, Old Yeller is played by Elfangor. <laughs> oh, wow. Old old Yeller is a really messed up movie, if that, if that was an Animorph or an Andalite Morph. <laughs> well, it's kind of a messed up movie regardless well if you think of like Airbud, that right there i mean that's that's what marco wants to do though he, he wants to go to he says he wants to take his uh power to hollywood he would be air buddy <laughs> yeah but the fact that the dog still acts like a dog is uh kind of sad because you gotta think maybe it's a maybe it's an anamorphous stuck in morph and they like were in one really bad battle 
where they hit their head, so they're kind of like an anamorphic Down syndrome who thinks they're a dog. <laughs> but they still, they still. It's like Jake. He still remembers to play basketball. <laughs> no, that would be great. Yeah. Uh, while in dog morph, Jake hits his head. I think the best one I can think of that makes it a really, really messed up movie is uh, that movie from the '90s, "The Ghost in the Darkness," about the two <laughs> man-eating lions. Yeah, the two lions. <laughs> They're just coming into this African camp and fighting Michael Douglas. That it's like two Davids. Even no, even better. One of them's David and one of them's Rachel. Yeah, they joined forces. They they got married and moved to Africa. <laughs> People who haven't seen Ghost in the Darkness have no idea what we're talking about. The Ghost in the Darkness is the greatest '90s movie that's ever made. It's uh, Val Kilmer and Michael Douglas hunting lions. These two humongous man-eating lions uh, while trying to build a bridge in Africa. And it's it's amazing. And it's actually based off uh, real life events. Yeah, that's it, a true story too. Yeah, except the uh, lions in the movie are male lions with manes and everything. And um, in the in the real life scenario, they were two uh, female lions. <laughs> the, so the woman being suppressed again. <laughs> <laughs> it's just just another whitewashing uh, Hollywood story. Uh, but. Uh, no, it's a great movie, and it, it totally—if they were animorphs, it totally puts the dream sequence where the two lions murder Val Kilmer's baby um, <laughs> into a new. This is mind. this is a really weird topic. What's next? I love the topic. That's why I picked it. Cause it's so weird. It's such a weird question. <laughs> I think one more, uh, one more. Uh, I'm gonna think of one more movie. Oh, you know what? <laughs> Planet of the Apes, or, or you could even do like Rise of the Planet of the Apes. It's the. Uh, it's a bunch of animorphs stuck in morph, reclaiming their humanity and breaking out of zoos. <laughs> Operation Dumbo Drop, the story <laughs> of one army team's uh, task to move Rachel back to <laughs> their hometown. Yeah. Okay, so the uh, second question that I thought was kind of, we've kind of answered it before. We've talked about battle morphs, like what battle morph would you have? But the other question was, uh, what would be the most useful morph you could think of? Like a, if you could only have one morph, and you had to use it for tons of different scenarios, which one would you go with? <clears throat> uh, I don't. In what what context are we fighting a war here, or are we just living our lives? <laughs> I'm saying you get to tomorrow. You don't know if the Yerks are real or any of that, but tomorrow you find out that you can get the morphing ability, but it's it's only one animal. What animal are you gonna choose that will give you the most? broad implications um just a younger more attractive human (laughs) (laughs) really why would i want to be an animal well i'm saying you could i I guess that's a valid answer but (laughs) i mean if maybe that you know maybe there are some animal things that'll come useful i don't know Uh, okay if, if it had to be an animal uh a dog because i like dogs I what how is it useful that's a waste because uh, if i lived with an owner like myself um i'd be well taken care of so ha. why would you want to be taken care of what what lifestyle are you trying to fit into i don't the kind where i'm a dog because i Whatever. have to be one because you asked me this is the worst answer I've ever heard to any question in my entire life. Hey, wait a minute. Uh, you did mention battle morphs, though, and um, I did get really bored at work the other day, and so I googled the most deadly animals or whatever to try and figure out a, a good battle morph for me. 
I think I I think I landed on one that I'd like. It's what? pretty original too. I think I'd I'd pick for my battle morph uh, a Komodo dragon. What? I think it's badass. It is, but it's. I mean, it's it can be fast, but you're limited in mobility as far as like climbing up onto stuff and. I don't know. That's just a. I guess it's pretty deadly, but you're you kill more <laughs> it's people. Super deadly. Yeah, but it kills more people because of uh, like lack of antibiotics nearby than. Well, I'm fairly certain the Hork-Bajir that I'd be fighting wouldn't be getting any antibiotics anytime soon. Whatever, I think I'd go with a large, like, Puma or Jaguar battle morph. By the way, do you know what the the number one most deadly animal on our planet is? Yeah, mosquitoes. I go to Reddit, too. Well, good, but you don't know the other (laughs) top nine. Yeah, it's uh, (laughs) mosquitoes, humans, snakes... Uh, sharks and poison dart uh, frogs. Yeah, poison dart frog. What? Really? They're in the top. Yeah, dude. Of human killers. No, just top deadliest animals. I oh. never said human killers. I thought I thought you were I thought you were talking about that uh, that one Reddit post. It's just top ten killer of humans. No, 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 no. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the funnel web spider. The. <clears throat> um, other ones yeah I, but I the, my point was that none of them were very effective battle morphs a lot of them were snakes by the way and i thought oh maybe a snake would be a cool battle morph but really Wait, you two you're too out in the open you could die too easily in this yeah exactly that's why uh that's why marco's cobra battle morph doesn't last long <laughs> if i could pick one morph and that's it i would go with like an orca whale because that gives me all the range mobility that i don't have in my human body I can go super deep in the ocean, do tons of stuff out there. You can go long distances. You can fight. You know, you're an alpha predator in your habitat. Um, I think that would be that would be my top top choice. <clears throat> Interesting. Was yeah. there another question? Mm-mm. That was it. Those are the only two weird questions I wanted to bring up at the beginning of the show. Oh, all right. Well, uh, I guess we could dive into the the discussion here we could we could dive into it right now i know i'm human If you were all these things, then you'd just attack me right now. So some of you are still human. This thing doesn't want to show itself. It wants to hide inside an imitation. It'll fight if it has to. But it's vulnerable out in the open. If it takes us over, then it has no more enemies. Nobody left to kill it. And then it's won. So like we've mentioned tonight, we are talking about Animorphs book number nine, The Secret. Tell us about the cover, Coleman. Well, on the cover, uh, we have our first, maybe it's not the first one, but the logo itself, the Animorphs logo, the Animorphs logo is a little more plain. There's only one color and it's uh, a white background, but I think that's different than the other ones. I'd have to check, but 
Oh, I uh, never even noticed. <laughs> yeah, I think the logo looks different. It's got a shiny background, but everything else is there's no other colors or anything. Um, as far as the rest of the cover, apparently there's no place to run, but also <laughs> no place to hide. So I guess they all die in this one, according to the front logo. Um, then it's just your standard, I mean, even more generically standard than usual cloud background, because it's like normal colors for clouds. Yeah, kind of, yeah. <laughs> and then Cassie's turning into a wolf. Uh, and but she's doing it very zen-like in her in her yeah, wouldn't cross-legged her, stance. Wouldn't her wolf legs be all like knotted into Mangled. each other? From trying to go, <laughs> uh, you would think, but nah, they're 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 bones rearranging stuff. It's I'm gonna actually just take take issue with the entire idea of these different poses for morphs. If I was gonna morph into some crazy animal, and I don't know the how I don't if I don't know how my bones are going to rearrange and my body's going to react to morphing a creature, I'm going to stand straight up, and you know just stand still with my arms out a little bit and then just start morphing. Well, that's <laughs> kind of how they crazy. that's how they do it. <laughs> yeah, not on the front covers. No, on the front covers they're <laughs> they're trying to sell books. You know how many clothes the front cover animorphs have gone through? Oh yeah, they've ripped them apart. <laughs> That is true. In in very few of the uh, covers are they actually wearing their morphing outfits. And when they, they're not even wearing their morph, I've right off the top of my head, the only one I can think of is the one where they're wearing a wetsuit, which still isn't their morphing outfit. Although that would be a very smart morphing outfit. Yeah, I, I don't understand why they didn't start incorporating wetsuits. Because um, Mark but, was uh, in charge. Like I, I've mentioned before, book number 19, I think it is, uh, Cassie's in a leotard turning into a butterfly yeah yeah that is but that, i still think that was a uh more of a design choice like whoever was in charge of the graphic design of the front covers or the vector mass or whatever they're probably thinking oh cassie's a girl she's probably in ballet class Let's put her in a leotard like not even <laughs> knowing that that's a major plot point of the book right because obviously the, the people who were designing these covers never read the books <laughs> you can know as evidenced by Tobias. I'm surprised every Tobias book isn't just him as a human on the front. Like, they don't even know that he's trapped in... <laughs> <laughs> oh, can anyway. we talk about... So, the title of the book is The Secret, but well, do you after read the reading it, the book first? I don't have a strong feeling of really actually knowing what The Secret oh, referred uh, to. Hold on, you want to <laughs> read the back of the book first? Oh, sure, why not? Uh, let's see. There's something pretty weird going on in the woods behind Cassie's house, the place where Axe and Tobias call home. It seems the Yerks have figured out one very important thing. Andalites cannot survive without a feeding ground. Visor 3 knows the Andalite bandits don't feed where he does, so there can only be one other place. Now, Cassie, Marco, Jake, Rachel, Tobias, and Axe have to figure out a way to stop a bogus logging camp, because if Visor 3 finds Axe in the woods, nothing will stop him from finding the Anamorphs. Do you think there was a joke in there with Visor 3 finding an axe in the woods? <laughs> uh, no. No. Oh. Because I never made that connection until you did. So, yeah. Um, the secret. What the hell is it? <laughs> uh, maybe the secret is the fact that Axe and Tobias are hiding there. Maybe that's the secret. But I, I thought the secret this... referred to like axe's feeding spot or the andalite bandits feeding place yeah but it's not 
really a secret in the book because well because we're in on the secret <laughs> if you go through the plot the yurks you know they they set up shop in the woods so they discovered the secret so there's no secret well what if the what if the yurks logging team is the secret because they're secretly yurks i guess but that, <laughs> but all the yurks are secret then then this is really just the secret series and this is book number nine animorphs i think this is one of the titles that they knew they were going to use it's like oh mysterious invasion by aliens one of the books we gotta call it the secret right yeah and then they're they should have just called this one the skunk skunks i was gonna say so obviously this is a cassie book and we are so obviously interested in cassie books thus far <laughs> And here's here's the thing. So I go through the book, just like Mitchell does, and you know, we write notes, we we log things that are interesting to bring up on the podcast. And I noticed uh when I was reviewing the book a little bit to refresh it right before doing this podcast, I noticed I had the first page marked. But I didn't see anything on there that was something I would note that's noteworthy. I, I it was just, you know, my name is Cassie, blah blah blah, her kind of reintroducing herself. I was like, why did I mark this page? I can't figure it out. And I thought about it, and I thought about it. And I remembered I marked it because my initial reaction was, I opened the book, I read, my name is Cassie, and I just went, ugh. <laughs> it's just, I had a, had a uh, just a literal reaction to starting a Cassie book. <laughs> you had hoped for a second that, judging by the uh, the cover art, you had hoped that this was a story about a wolf that somehow learned to morph into Cassie. Yeah, I thought it was a new... And that was the secret. <laughs> I thought it was a new Animorph. Uh, it was a wolf that got morphing ability. Wolfgang Puck. And he had to ask Cassie permission to morph into her. <laughs> right. So uh, my first note is that there, there are seriously three pages. The first three pages in this book are all recap. The story doesn't even start until page four. Yeah, it's a, it's a hard recap right at the beginning. Uh, unlike some of the other books, I try to weave it in. It was, yeah, it was one of the most desperate attempts at a recap. Like they didn't even care. I think I think Kay Applegate just had a story she needed to tell, and she's like, "I could get this recap out of the way, so I can get to this uh, hard hitting socio political story." Oh man, I I just read my first line of notes here, and I totally forgot that <laughs> as soon as the story does start, oh boy, are we we are in for a treat here. Um, this book starts out with uh, Cassie and Rachel uh, in a classroom at school, and Cassie's trying to figure out why her stupid rat can't run this maze properly. And so, of course, Cassie decides to morph the rat to go into the maze and figure things out. Under Rachel's suggestion. But I do have one thing with this. This is kind of weird. So this is a makeup science project. Because she's been doing badly in school because she's so busy. Even busier than the other Animorphs because she's got Animorph responsibilities and the Wild High and the Wildlife Rehabilitation Center. Right. So she's got like a D in this class or something she mentioned that she's going to. And no, I so, think she said she was shooting for a D. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so she's not doing well in class. And I don't understand the idea of this makeup project because if it's a science project that she had to create and do herself, then why is she doing it after hours in the school? It'd be something you'd go home and do and maybe bring the results back or something. And if it's something that the whole class was doing, then why is her mouse in particular having a problem 
when none of the other class, you know, had the same problem. Well, because as she soon finds out, it, it, her whole project was screwed up because of the ceiling fan or something. Yeah, but I assume that was on with the rest of the class. Yeah. Well, I thought it, it just could have been more clever if they had been like, oh, it turns out this rat we morphed is uh, has no sense of smell or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, they morph into rats, they jump in the maze, and like we said, they, they figure out that oh, we can't smell because the fan's on, and it's ruining the project, and it's a variable, and blah, 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 blah. And they're like, yay, we figured it out. Great start of the book. And a few seconds later, these two guys, these two schoolmates, I assume, uh, students come in, and their first reaction is like, oh, hey, a science lab. Oh, look, there's some rats in a maze. Let's kill them. Yeah, let's, what the hell? Let's immediately... <laughs> kill these small rodents that are obviously a part of the school and you know it's just these kids are sociopaths yeah it, it was pretty bizarre um it was almost like uh like darlene's pool party all over again <laughs> yeah so i don't know what is wrong with the students at this school um but yeah they, they try to kill them and of course you know they get away unscathed or whatever but what what is wrong with both kathy cassie and rachel when they're just like, ah, I know we're not supposed to morph for personal gain, but uh, screw it. Jake will get mad. Let's do it anyway. Right, yeah. They just don't care at this point, really. Yes, they, they crawl around in these kids' pants for a bit, scare them off. And, Is uh, that what happened? I don't remember. Yeah, I've got uh, I've got it labeled as action scene slash Cassie gets in his pants. <laughs> and, uh. and so the kids go running. They're scared for some reason that... These mass, these... these rats can fight back. Oh no! It's almost like they have human intelligence. <laughs> yeah, this is just a it's it's a really really weak opening scene. Really weak, weak, weak opening scene. <laughs> um, but luckily, as soon as it's over, we uh skip on over to a meeting at Cassie's barn where everyone's talking about their next mission. Yeah, well, Cassie and Rachel are the first to get there. And they're talking about clothes or something. And when Jake and uh, Marco get there, they're having an epic argument over an age-old question that we've all asked ourselves at one point or another. <laughs> Who would win in a fight between Spider-Man and Batman? You know, what's funny is that the answer to that has already been uh, discovered um, by this YouTube series called Death Battle. Oh, really? They did one? Yeah, they did. Spider-Man versus Batman. Who did they say would win? I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> I think it was uh, Spider-Man. Well, who do you think would win? Um, Spider-Man. <laughs> Why? I don't know. Let me bring up the death battle video and uh, we'll see. I'm just saying, I'm a big fan of Spider-Man. That's, that's a good guess. I mean, he's super strong. He's got spider sense, all that stuff. But Batman's killed Superman basically a god so i think his intelligence and cleverness uh, are enough to take down some high no school. i think it had to do with the fact that um peter parker is like more intelligent than bruce wayne like he's actually no. smarter so he's no able to outsmart way. him he's into science and stuff but bruce wayne has designed half the batmobiles i mean there's there as far as a scientific level they're probably on the same page no <laughs> I don't think so. I don't know. Either way, I could be wrong though. It was a while ago when I watched that. 
Go to YouTube and type in Death Battle. No, I'm recording a podcast right now. (laughs) No, not you. I'm telling our listeners to do it. Because it's a great series. It's from ScrewAttack.com. Listeners, you need to make up your own minds on who would really win. No, I want to become partners with ScrewAttack.com right now. (laughs) I'm sure our fan bases are crossed. They can fund our podcasting network. I would love that. Um, What were we talking about? Oh, yeah, The Secret. (laughs) (laughs) But as you said, they're all once they all get there, uh, they they come to the understanding that it's Tobias and Axe who called this meeting. Uh, yes, because uh, as it would turn out, a uh, logging team is cutting down the forest, and it's funny here because in my notes I put a Yerk logging team is curing down the forest. I didn't even care enough to change my typo. That's bad. <laughs> I'll tell you this. <laughs> this is really sad. So, I'm pretty organized, and I, I care about this podcast and doing it well. I've I've taken some pretty hardcore notes uh, throughout the series so far. This is where I stopped taking notes, because I was bored. <laughs> <clears throat> wow. Well, it's alright. We've got mine to power us through here. <laughs> no, I still remember the plot. I'm just saying, I was taking detailed notes, you know. Making sure I knew everything that was covered and I could talk about it. But I just, I couldn't take any more than this after, I'd already read the book once. And so skimming through it again and writing detailed notes, I just, I couldn't do it. (laughs) I couldn't handle Hmm. it. (laughs) (laughs) But, but it's all good. So, uh, as you said, Tobias and Axe, they tell him about uh, this logging company that's up to no good in their forest. The forest. the, The National Park Forest. And they've gotten this contract to possibly uh, start logging in this in this you know nationally protected acreage. And Tobias and Axe thought that was strange to begin with, but they also thought it was strange that the main building of this logging company has a force field around it. Yeah, that raised, that raised their attention. <laughs> kind of a dead giveaway. Did they say? Uh, they say how they saw the force field. Uh, Tobias mentions that he saw a bird fly into it. <laughs> that's, that's how they test everything in the Animorphs universe. It, oh. it was probably Tobias himself who flew into it, but he didn't want to embarrass himself, so he's like, yeah, some dumb freaking bird flew into it. No, it, Kay Applegate's a, uh, he's a sadist, because you have giant invisible tanker flying through the sky, better run some geese into it and break their necks to, you know, move the plot along. At least she has the decency to use different birds each time. <laughs> oh, she's just wiping at them one by one. Species are going extinct in these books. <laughs> that would be a good book series. If it was like towards the end of the world and there's animorphs and they're actually acquiring animals before they go extinct to preserve that species. No, because then that turns into a fanfic about animorph mating and breeding. <laughs> No, 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 no. Get this. Okay. Post-apocalyptic world where the Yerks won and everything's wiped out, but the Yerks were defeated eventually. And so humans are just there. And there's some other new alien enemy or something. And almost all of the animals on Earth are wiped out. And so the only thing the new Animorphs have to go on is these DNA samples that were preserved in that uh, Norway, you know, that seed... Um, preservation in norway it's an underground bunker where they preserve seeds for plants though no but they also they also have dna of uh some extinct animals 
Oh. So so having the animorphs, uh, these new animorphs who've never seen these animals before, they just pick up a like like in Jurassic Park, like these little vials of DNA, and they're <laughs> just like a tiger. I guess I'll try this one out, guys. And then they're experiencing the morph and the animal for the first time when they morph into it. it yeah, that'd be it, cool. It'd be like Pokemon. <laughs> How would that be like Pokemon? I don't know, because they'd be like, I don't know what this creature is. I'm going to capture it <laughs> to use in a, battle. They pull out a Pokedex. I'm going to I'm gonna need you to guide me on the rest of the story here. but um... <laughs> What? I hope not. I got a... Uh... <laughs> Your clogging team's cutting down the forest. Everyone goes to investigate, and Marco almost gets caught by a net, but Axe <laughs> saves him. You want to elaborate? <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying... You wanted me to help you lead us through the rest of the book, but the I, you know, I, I didn't take detailed notes, but I still have my notes that uh, I thought were unique things to talk about. So yeah. after the logging company with force fields, the next note I have is termites. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's helpful. <laughs> uh, okay, well, as I just mentioned, they they all decide to go investigate the the place, the logging company, and mm. uh, obviously <laughs> they go in wolf morph. Because that yeah. just makes sense. Um, and this is when uh, they screw up somehow. And this the Yerks have apparently figured out this amazing new net technology. Which <laughs> manages to ensnare Marco. I have no idea. What I'm waiting for you to add some stuff, man. I have no idea what you're talking about. This is the next part of the story. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Okay, hold on. <laughs> does that... Okay, um, it's just this is a disaster. <laughs> this, yeah, this book is a disaster. <laughs> well, I mean, literally, I read this book last week, and I've got a I've got a fairly good memory for books I read, especially when I this book. <laughs> I have I don't remember half of what goes on in this book. Neither do I. I I just have my very very vague notes. <laughs> oh man. Uh, okay, well, we promise this isn't going to happen with every not great book we read. No, it's just because this is like the only stuff I even cared to write down about this book. <laughs> well, let's go through that. That's fine. It, even if it's not super detailed, we can go through it like that. All right, so Marco is in Wolf Morph, caught in a net, and Axe shows up just in time to save him. And yeah. then... And then they see some skunks, skunks while they're running away. Um, that might have happened. I know that all the controllers were going crazy and shooting forest animals, and, uh, of course that angers Cassie. Well, yeah. As it always will. She gets mad, and she's running away, and she sees the mother skunk get killed, right? No. (laughs) No. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) No, No, not at all. I'm desperately trying to rewrite this book in my mind. (laughs) Because the very next, uh, chapter in the scene... Goes to um, Cassie talking to her dad, and uh, he got he gets the call about the burned skunk on the highway, and he goes with her, or she goes she goes with him to pick up the skunk because it's not okay, dead, but it is related to <laughs> the Yerks firing dracon beams at all the animals. Yes, yes, it, they, she mentions that it's got a burn, and even her dad is like, I don't know what could have done this. Oh, this this episode is gonna be hilarious to edit to try to make us sound like we know what we're talking about. No, you don't even have to do that. We, <laughs> I think it's quite clear that we don't know what we're talking about. No, I know. I'm I'm going to leave that last part in. I'm going to edit out this because I think the last part's funny. Oh, uh, sure. Me saying that. So, so Cassie just goes to <laughs> to pick up the burned skunk with her dad. 
<laughs> I said so, like I was about to lead into the next plot point. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> were you? <laughs> no, I wasn't. I figured. So, so that's they the scene, man. More termites <laughs> and attack the force field lucky company. What? No, okay. So, you should pull up my Evernote thing. I, that's what I'm thinking about doing it now, except I have my phone charging. I really need it to charge. You have uh, no idea. I will I will talk about the next thing. Okay, I'm going to bring up the Serapedia submarine, see if that helps. Oh, sure. Go for it. <laughs> uh, the very next thing to happen of any significance in the book <laughs> is... <laughs> The, the the anamorphs decide to meet at the mall um because they like to change up their meeting places every so often that's not changing it up that much right well kind of i mean besides meeting at any of their houses where else are yeah they but they go to the mall like every five seconds they uh, she specifically mentions that they uh try to make it look random so they all come like separately you know yeah how about how about here's a new rule for the anamorphs Let's not have our meetings at places that are known York Pool entrances. <laughs> That's a good point. That would be my first rule as an Animorph. Dude, what if, uh, why didn't the Yurks ever, you know, get a little creative and start in installing, like, x-ray body scanners secretly in the mall? Do you think that would tell them somehow if they were, I don't know. No, because there's specific points where they can detect morphs. What they could do is just like, you know, like a security guard or a halfway, you know, reasonably intelligent, you know, security company. You could put cameras in and then just see what people are doing. And I think you'd pick up plenty of footage that would show you who the Animorphs are if you just recorded everything in the mall. <laughs> well, it's possible. Freaking Rachel jumping off balance beams into the arms of a hawk <laughs> every five seconds. <laughs> The Animorphs are meeting at the mall to discuss how they are going to get into the camp, surpass the force field somehow, and uh, figure out how the Yerks are going to get permission to start logging, because that's the big question right now. Yeah, and they, they decide based on who who brings it. Jake? Jake brings a termite? Yeah. Yeah, and that's when they decide to use the termite to get in, which we, ha we have to talk about this. I mean, this is... I actually... As opposed to Mitchell, I think this is actually out of character. I think this is actually breaking my immersion with this book. And I don't think after the Ant Morph, I think that terrified them so much and traumatized them so much, they would do nothing that's similar to that at all. And the termite's pretty pretty damn close. Yeah, well, they do mention, you know, ants, and they, they do give it a little bit of talk. And um, I... I one of them points out that they're they're not exactly the same as ants. Somebody thinks it's a good idea. <laughs> I just don't think they'd do it. I, I think there would be enough of them that would just refuse. And um, he, Jake, points out that he even brought a termite in a little vial. And uh, it's one from the exact same colony uh, that they will be trying to break in through. Tobias managed to bring them this termite, I think. So it's like, at least they're taking that precaution. Yeah. Uh, so after they do that at the mall and they meet up there, they go about their, they separate for a little bit. And Cassie goes back home to help out more at the Wildlife Rehabilitation Center. And she is with the skunk that they picked up on the side of the road earlier. And she's, you know, she figures out that it's a mother with babies 
that probably won't be able to survive on their own, and she goes ahead and acquires it. Yeah, she loves the skunk. Why do you think she acquires it so early, though? Like, before knowing that the babies are out there and stuff, do you think she just wanted a skunk morph? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what really compels. I'm sure the book flat out gives a reason, but neither of us are able to remember it. Nope. <laughs> she wanted the skunk. I think she intended. She, she fully intended the entire time to uh, go do what she ends up doing and trying to nurse the little skunkies. Yeah, I guess. But she meets up with everybody and uh, they head out. They yeah, they, well, I, I want to point months. out specifically that they, they meet up at 3 o'clock in the morning in the forest. Yeah, well, you, hey, if you're going to do a top-secret mission, that's a good time to do it. Pretty much. But they, they get to the force field surrounded compound, and they decide to do some kind of distraction based on what Axe is telling them might be a way to go about it. Oh, but you totally forgot to mention that on the way to the camp... Cassie locates the skunk babies. I didn't so, forget to mention anything. Super important. <laughs> That's incredibly important, but it's not my fault. It's not the summary. <laughs> I know, I figured. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, so like you mentioned, once they get there, they, they decide to draw straws, actually, to decide who's going to be the distraction. And um, it's almost kind of humorous because... Uh, Right off the bat, Jake is the one who draws the short straw. And no one was really expecting that. Yeah, and he morphs Wolf, which I wonder how many more times in the series he's going to go Wolf Morph. It's not really one he uses very often. Yeah, that's true. Besides hmm. traveling and stuff. I don't know, I don't know but uh, Jake goes off to distract the, the whole yurt camp in his Wolf Morph. And everyone else has to, has to go Termite, which... It's really unfortunate. It's interesting, though, because, you know, they're terrified of this morph, what it'll be like. And when they get into it, they're calmed down because there's no instincts. And they're like, oh, this isn't too bad. This might be a good tiny morph to use in the future. You know, we're, we're worried for nothing. And they couldn't be any more wrong. Yeah, they start kind of walking away and um they're they're walking towards kind of like a, a far off voice that's calling to them is how they describe it an important and... factor of this is that uh jake specifically said because he was worried about what happened with the ants and stuff he made sure that this was the same call he got the termite from the same colony that they're nearby with this force field i don't know when he did that but he made sure it was the exact same colony that he got this termite from so that they would be a part of that colony going in. Yeah. Well, I told you. Tobias got it for him. Oh, well, fine. I'll edit out my stupidity <laughs> then. I don't care. No, it's okay. You can leave it in. Nope. Magic. Yeah. So they follow the uh, the this far-off voice that's calling to them into that termite colony and kind of end up losing themselves. Yeah, it's even worse than the ant morph to a, to a degree because... The ant morph, they, once they figured out what was going on, they were able to take control again. But this is such a strong signal from, if you can tell, this is, an, or this is a termite queen calling to them. Uh, this is such a strong presence in their body that they have no control over their limbs or their bodily functions or anything. It completely has them under, uh, under its spell. Yeah, that's weird. Are termites really like that? <laughs> uh, possibly. That's... It's kind of just 
you know the theory with you see movies and stuff like aliens and stuff where there's a alien queen is telepathically talking to the drones and right. i don't know well, there's there's something there but it's probably more based on like signals and smells and things like that right well clearly they have some amount of control because the only way they're able to free themselves here is that uh cassie manages to chop down on the queen and kill her and uh that frees everyone so they're now, able to remind demore. me of this isn't this brought up multiple times throughout like other books her, her recalling this killing this termite queen um well it's definitely brought up through the rest of this book <laughs> yeah but i think it's like a like just like a huge regret she has through like other books and stuff it might be because yeah it, it becomes a big deal to her throughout this book is just the fact that you know she feels like they're doing the exact same thing as the yurks is coming into these other societies and completely ruining them for yeah, their own selfish reasons it's the first thing she kills that is just considered insignificant and they you know it wouldn't have died if they hadn't been there it's not right. like a yurk or something that you know attacks them or or is already doing something wrong this is a place that they invaded and then they ruined it yeah and this is this is definitely goes against cassie's you know honor code here or nature well, code or whatever this, this is the only interesting thing she brings up the fact that size actually matters to our human empathy you know a termite even though there's other larger animals like a, a little kid could shoot a deer and still feel really bad about it even though it's a pretty mindless animal um but you know you see an ant or, or something small that could possibly have the same um you know level of intelligence as as a you know something larger or a cow or a stupid dog or something not i'm not saying dogs in general i'm saying a particularly dumb dog or something uh <laughs> that we as humans would love and protect and everything else but once it's a really small size like we'll wipe out an entire colony because we're bored or because it's near our house <laughs> yeah read ender's game <laughs> <laughs> yeah but oh that's that's a little bit of a different situation but um let's see here <clears throat> well yeah, yeah we so book nine? cassie kills the termite queen and scars herself forever <laughs> she's forever changed and they they just as soon as they're like free from the spell or whatever they demorph right away they're like we don't even care who sees us we're demorphing we're getting out of here and uh, Cassie in particular, when she comes out of it, she's just freaking out. Like they're inside this, uh, little room in the camp, in the logging camp. And, uh, as soon as she manages to get back to her human body, she just starts freaking out. And, um, Rachel has to hold her down and like comfort her while Axe is over there hacking the computer in the room. <laughs> it's kind of crazy that, that no one heard her. She's, she's getting pretty pretty you know crazed yeah yeah she's definitely like screaming and i mean rachel has to come you know <laughs> hold her down i'm surprised rachel didn't just like punch, punch her. her out yeah <laughs> <laughs> her no out. she would never do that she's smarter she knows she needs her mobile yeah but they find out they found out the guy who uh is the deciding vote and allowing this logging company to go to town on this forest i like how anytime x Accesses a computer, 
it uh, just it acts just as a book. It it a... it just advances the plot, <laughs> no matter what it is. Yeah, if he goes to your computer, either disaster is going to happen or a Deus Ex Machina is going to happen. <laughs> Basically, since he's uh, able to, to discover that the Yurks still need the permission of uh, just one guy to officially start their little logging thing. And potentially but, find the Animorphs. Man, for not even having official permission yet, the Yurks are uh, really jumping the gun out there. <laughs> yeah, but they, they basically want to make a controller out of this guy, which is how they solve 99% of their problems. And if they do that, obviously he'll vote their way and, and they'll be allowed to do whatever they want. Yeah. Oh, and another thing, before uh, discovering all of this useful plot advancement, Axe also manages to turn off the defense systems <laughs> for the logging camp. And uh, that pretty much allows them to just run out easily in Wolf Morph. With absolutely oh. no trouble. And he also hacks it uh, and leaves in a back door so they can access it, uh, access that computer from Marco's home computer. Oh, they finally figured that out. He couldn't do that though before. And no, uh... no, he just figured it out. He he had a uh, he bought a book at the bookstore and hadn't figured it out. Not making that up. <laughs> Linux for dummies. Yeah, for Linux. Sorry. But they get out of there, and uh, everyone except X, you know, turns into a wolf, and they head out into the forest. Uh, yeah, let's see. And then I've got Cassie goes home and feels terrible. <laughs> and Rachel's with her. Uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they... <laughs> no, they I remember. Her, they uh, have a big, long talk, don't they? Yeah, they sneak in, and uh, Cassie can't stop thinking about what happened to the termite chamber and how how violent nature is and her part in it and how she's really an animal and i'm sure rachel's just like picking her teeth with the bones of whatever <laughs> yeah she I, killed i i will say that um any you know animal lovers nature lovers uh people like that will will probably enjoy this book <laughs> i'm sure when i was a lot younger i enjoyed it more I don't know i mean it's not really a big nature vibe because as i've mentioned i one of my biggest things i care about is conservation of you know like whales and cetaceans and stuff but this isn't even environmentalism this is just no it is it is and it's, it's, it's all about logging well yeah it's about logging but and i i know the broader uh points it's trying to make with the queen i get that it's just not. It's not doing them in an effective way. It's making. It's make Cassie. It's making Cassie seem like the kind of person you don't want to be. <laughs> I guess so. In a war, yeah. Not a war, just in general. <clears throat> I, I want to be nothing like Cassie after reading this book. Oh. <laughs> well, she. Uh, she just doesn't make very good decisions. Um, is in what a I would series. Say. In a series where life and death constantly is decided by your decisions. <laughs> so the next day, uh, Cassie decides, oh yeah, this is where we get this wonderful subplot starting here. Uh, Cassie decides to go off and find the skunk babies. Um, and she gets a little help from Tobias. Yeah. Take it away, Coleman. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, this is a good part. I almost I almost suggested that we just, just not talk about the subplot. But there, there's a... Uh, 
And that would be crazy because it's a major part of this book. But well, yeah. I, I almost suggested it. But here's and I almost part. denied it. Here's an interesting part. So Tobias So Tobias learns about the whole skunks from Cassie and why she's obsessed with them. And Cassie's like, hey, have you seen anything like this? Uh, any skunk babies uh, around this park? Because I saw them and blah, blah, blah. You said that she saw them, right? Uh, yeah. She made note of them earlier. Well, she wants to find them again in the daylight. And she wants Tobias' help. And Tobias is like, uh, are you sure you want to save them? You, you know, you want to go out there? And Cassie's like, what? What do you... Oh, Tobias... What did you do? <laughs> so Tobias already ate one of these guys. Yeah, and... yeah. She says there there are five skunk babies, and uh, Tobias says, "Well, there's four of them still alive." <laughs> and she gets pissed. I mean, she is just flat out angry with him. And it's so. See, this is where this is where you lose me on the environmental message because environmentalists should be fighting for nature to run its course. And she's mad because the skunk babies she's already attached herself to because she's a human who feels empathy, unlike animals. And she gets mad at Tobias for doing what he needs to do to survive. She doesn't get <laughs> mad every time he kills a mouse, but I'm sure if she formed a personal relationship with that mouse, she'd be pissed that Tobias killed it. It's just dumb. It's just stupid. Well, you're, you're forgetting one very uh, important key fact here, which is uh, she's like 13, dude. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, with Tobias's help, uh, he leads her into the forest, straight to the uh, skunk babies, and no, no, hold on, no, you, you, you have opened the floodgates on this. Uh, so you're, so you're saying she's thirteen, so she, she, you know, she's being unreasonable, and it makes sense, and blah blah blah. Tobias is also thirteen, and he should get complete carte blanche on any issue that they have with him. He has already suffered from being an animorph. He has paid his price. He can do whatever he wants. He can start killing people, as far as I'm concerned. And I'm like, whoa, I don't want to mess with Tobias. You know, he he's had a rough life. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Well, it sounds like you're really getting caught up on this thing. But um, she... Because it's the only not, interesting she, thing to talk about in this book. She doesn't hold a grudge or anything. She forgives him pretty quick. She does. No, no. She, she a couple times, is still being snarky to him. Even even past this next section, I remember that she throughout the rest of the book she has a couple of snarky comments for Tobias. Well, clearly they're not as bad as you're making them out to be. Well, because... no, there has to be a scene later where she forgives him. I'm pretty sure later on there's a scene where she like takes Tobias aside and forgives him for what he did, that perfectly normal thing he did. <laughs> Either way, I didn't think it was that big of a thing to the plot whatever i wish tobias would have eaten all of them like he would have just you know pigged out i'm sure he was planning on it man (laughs) and Um, even even if even if um you could make the argument that she's 13 and all all this stuff you know what Catherine applegate decided decided that this was important enough to base half the book on so there's where the problem really lies (laughs) yes that is true because uh after after finding these skunk babies, she she morphs into the mom skunk and uh, falls asleep with them. <laughs> Ugh, and is... then she's woken up immediately by Jake coming to yell at her. 
being in morph should be like driving down the interstate. <laughs> if your eyes droop, you need to pull over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good analogy. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so Cassie insists on taking care of the skunks. Like, this is like her, uh, I, I, don't, I don't even know what to compare it to. This is, this is her, her pet project, I guess. She wants to save these skunks long enough to reunite them with their mother, who is still healing up at her, uh, her barn. Oh, you skipped the part where they're grabbing grasshoppers in their talons and dropping them off into the hole and feeding them. No, I'm not. This is the part. Because this is where, after Jake comes to yell at her and she insists on taking care of the babies, um, they all kind of come together and try to figure out a plan to take care of these skunks because Cassie is so dead set on it. No, they do the grasshopper thing before. Maybe they do the grasshopper thing again, but they do it, They start it before she falls asleep. Well, the, get your book nine, the secret straight. No, you're you're out of line. You're out of line. The, uh, this is, I'm talking about when they're first coming together. Because uh, initially, Jake is all pissed off at her. Yeah, yeah. How stupid this is. That. <laughs> that's after that. But I was specifically talking about the whole grasshopper thing. But that's coming up. That's, no. they're, they're figuring out the plan, how to take care of these skunks. And then it immediately cuts to uh, uh, Cassie's taking the little babies on a walk later. And uh, she ends up spraying Jake's dog, Homer. Because Lies. he comes bounding at him. Anyway, we just hit an hour, and we really need to... I, I think we can wrap this up here shortly. <laughs> Dude, I am trying. I am powering through. I'm just trying talking. to find anything that will make this episode actually interesting, because the book's not doing it. I've only got a couple more uh, things here. Okay, yeah, by all means. Let's fly through it. Oh, um, I don't know if this is the point in the story yet, where I, I have one thing dog-eared here in my book. Um, dog-eared homer yeah let's see so they uh they're they're taking care of the skunk babies that's that's all you need to know um i i dog-eared marco had one good zinger in this book and um i'm going to read it to you now because this book doesn't have much else good i hope, to give it's, us, I hope so. it's the same thing i wrote down <laughs> It Go might ahead. be. Uh, Marco shrugged. You know, actually, it's kind of a relief finding out Cassie is crazy. We know Rachel's nuts. We know I'm crazy. Cassie's been the only sane one for so long. Welcome to the loony bin, Cassie. Save the skunks. Hug the trees. Let dogs vote. Yep, this is the exact <laughs> same thing I wrote down. The let, the, let dogs vote is the best line. Uh-huh. Yeah, so there's Marco's one good zinger for this book. And there's the end of my notes. <laughs> um this is when uh da, 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 they're all taking care of the skunks as you said they're you know feeding it grasshoppers and whatever and cassie's taking them on a walk sprays homer blah 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 uh and this is when jake is showing up to uh reveal that the important vote guy as i dubbed him uh is actually or farand farand there we go mr farand uh, is going to going to be coming to the camp in one hour, dun dun dun, and uh, their plan is to save him and stop the logging. That's all I got. And then they do it. <laughs> and then they do it. No, uh, Cassie and Tobias. They they. Oh yeah, this is weird because there's so much Cassie and Tobias pairing in this book. Well, yeah, you got to build that subplot of her 
gradually forgiving him for <laughs> the nonsense that he committed. Right. Well, they all split up, and uh, we get Cassie and Tobias flying overhead to do some uh, observational stuff here, and they see the uh, guy, Mr. Farron, arriving at the camp, and... Um, Oh, this is when we get uh, Visitor 3 and Human Morph coming out to greet him. And I don't think at this point... I think this is the first time uh, Cassie has seen Visitor 3's Human Morph. Tobias has seen him before. I thought she saw him at the the secret meeting in the one book. No, uh, they were all in uh, Roach Morph and they couldn't see him. Tobias was the only one to see his Human Morph that time. Okay. And I, I'm fairly certain... Um, cause they, they, she mentions, um, he looks bad, you know, kind of like how they always say about Visitor 3. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, uh, I wonder, okay, so I can justify Visitor 3 showing up at a lot of these places quite often. Um, this one, I guess it still makes sense. This is something straight up related to catching the Andalite bandits, so it would make sense that he'd want to supervise it. But I know, I know that's a problem a lot of people have is Visitor 3 showing up on every occasion. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's kind of out of left field and convenient, but um, I don't know. I guess this works. This logging thing's a pretty big deal, apparently. <laughs> um, yep. It's funny, though. Visitor 3 like immediately just kind of bitch slaps this uh, Farron guy and <laughs> takes him into custody here. And this is when everyone... Don't they put him in a box? Again? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. all the Animorphs all the Animorphs attack, and uh, Visitor 3 smacks Farron out, out cold, and um, somehow Cassie ends up knocked out and captured as well in this scuttle. Yeah, she gets hit by a bullet in her, in her wing. She blacks out because she hits the ground. Oh, yeah, yeah, she's still in Bird Morph at this point. Um, yeah, but, but she she does wake up in a box with the Mr. Farron guy. What is guy. his obsession? It's the cat thing. That's what it is. He's obsessed with cats. He loves cats. And so that just the next thing on the list is to be obsessed with boxes as well. He keeps, <laughs> he's capturing Animorphs and throwing them in boxes. That's that's true. And they're always... They're, he, he goes out of his way to make sure they're not transparent boxes either. <laughs> How many Animorphs has he lost to boxes at this point? <laughs> I mean, he's like he's like a person moving. You know, they put all their stuff in a box, and when they get to their new place, they're missing, like, you know, 14 items that they knew they packed. So he's, <laughs> everything, he's losing Animorphs. <laughs> everything has somehow slipped through a Sario rip and uh, <laughs> ends up back in time. Uh, uh, so yeah, uh, let's see. Cassie's uh, a bird in a box with an unconscious Mr. Farron, and this is when she comes up with a grand plan to demorph quickly, and then remorph into her new favorite battle morph, the skunk. Okay, I have one defense for Visitor Three darkening these boxes. It's, <laughs> okay, it's dumb. In the sense that he can't see them morph and see if they're trying to escape. But it's less dumb if you approach it from the angle that he thinks they're Andalites. You know, he's not trying to catch them morphing so he can see that they're humans. That's not even on his mind. So, right, yeah, that's true. So by darkening it, I guess he's trying to make sure that they don't see what he's doing. But yeah, yeah, it seems definitely. like this could be solved by, you know, like one-way glass or the Andalite equivalent. 
Well, and also I think he is under the assumption that a captured Andalite bandit is uh, not going to demorph to give him another Andalite host body. So that's true. I think he, he just, just he doesn't care. He's like whatever. Could he I'll just throw, throw the Yerk in the hawk? You know, ear. No, it's yeah, too maybe. Small. <laughs> uh, so this is when Cassie morphs skunk and decides to blast everybody with her skunk butt. <laughs> A valid option. Yeah, and then this is also kind of where the plot just jumps the shark and uh oh, here, here's where it jumps the shark well sort of because they they decide to for for one thing she defeats visitor three with smell um and for another thing they they deal with uh visitor three to let mr Farrand go in exchange for the cure to this terrible terrible smell wait you, you didn't mention that they're on their way into space when this is happening no, they're not. What are you talking? Are you? Did you pull up the right summary? This what isn't where he's going. What are you talking says, about? Well, spacecraft. Oh no, sorry. When they threaten him with, you know, the secret of getting the stench out, uh, they say they, it's going to get stuck in his spaceship. Yeah. Yeah, they say it'll ruin his spaceship. So that's that's part of the threat. Well, yeah, the the threat is, man, this smell is really going to make your life suck for a very long time. <laughs> so, of course, Visitor 3 has no choice but to, uh, and this is, just, this is why it's dumb, because any human controller there is going to know, for one thing, uh, the classic remedy of tomato juice for curing skunk scent. Yeah, or, if, you, if you ever watched an episode of Rugrats, all right, you know what's going on. You know how to get rid of this. Sure. Or knows how to use the internet to find a cure for it. Well, dude, it's 98, all right? They, they knows how to check an encyclopedia. Yet. Knows how to pull up their uh, Microsoft Encarta <laughs> disc. Their Encyclopedia Britannica. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, so this is this is why it's dumb, is they, they give in to their threats here, and... Uh, Call off the, the logging plan for no good reason. Oh, and they let Farron go. The stench out. And then it, it cuts to, you know, sometime later they, they make sure that this Mr. Farron gets to a hospital. And then they all have a good laugh about how they told Visitor 3 to bathe in uh, grape juice instead of instead of tomato juice. Oh, so, those wacky kids. Big, big funny joke moment here. Yep. And that's how it ends. That's the end right there. They seriously defeated Visitor Three by by making him stink, and he just accepted that. That that was that was how they no, defeated no, no. him. But you left out the whole point of this book is Jake gives a speech on how uh, after you know dealing with the skunk babies and all that, he sides with Cassie, and they come to the beautiful realization that there's only one animal on this earth that has the capability to save all the other animals, and that's humans. Because we're all part of one system, man. And we gotta we gotta stand up for the skunks, I guess. Maybe that's the secret. <laughs> the secret is that this is a horrible, horrible book. <laughs> um, I wouldn't say horrible, horrible. You know, I know. I, I'm gonna jump right into my review. Jumping straight up into my review. 
Go for it. So I, I love the Animorphs. I, I love these books. I love the weird ones. I love the bad ones uh, that I've read. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the series. I love all, even when it brings weird concepts into the mix, I, I'm down. I'm, I'm interested. I can think of cool theories and, and have fun with it. What I can't have fun with is a dull and pointless book. And I, I came into this. I came into this review thinking, you know what? Maybe there are some aspects of it that I wasn't giving, you know, my full appreciation or, or my time. But just talking about it has just made me angry. I, just, <laughs> I was going to be like, you know, I'll give this a firm two out of five. I don't need to, I don't need to uh, you know, tear down a book this early in the series or whatever. But no, this is, this is a huge misstep. I don't even know what I'm reading. This is a one out of five. This is a, I'm not even going to make up a wacky you know, rating for it. It's a straight up one out of five, not a good Animorphs book. Hmm. All right. Boom. I mean, no, I mean, by all means, uh, tell me what tell me what saved this book uh, to give. I'm sure you're gonna give it a four out of five. No, <laughs> uh, I for the most part agreed with you on on every point. Um, however, I think where we differ is that my childhood was a lot more similar to Cassie's than yours was. So I I kind of uh, I uh, I relate to a lot of this. Stuff. No, I'm not gonna. I'm sorry. This is the middle of your review, and we don't do this. But I'm not gonna. <laughs> Dude, let I'm you, reviewing right now. <laughs> I know. I'm not gonna let you take that path because, uh, sure, you, your family is very close to animals. I, I understand that your mom raised wild animals, but my mom did too. I mean, she didn't. She didn't have like a full on thing like your mom did with getting raccoons and things like that, but. Uh, we were a very animal-centric family with dogs. She would take in wild animals and help them every once in a while, squirrels and things like that. Uh, we were a very, very pro-animal family. And we'd go to shelters. We'd we'd adopt <laughs> dogs for limited times and and find them good homes. We did that. Hey, thanks for, for thanks for hijacking my review to talk about how awesome you are. I know. I'm just saying that don't use don't you know don't say that my lifestyle wasn't animal friendly and and hugely part of that because it totally was. Um, well, clearly not as big as mine, so <laughs> shut up. Fine, go ahead. <laughs> I'm just trying to say that that I actually dug a lot of uh, a lot of the nature stuff, and I agreed with Cassie's points for the most part. You know that saving the planet is obviously very important, as well as fighting the Yerks. But um, yeah, like like you've pointed out, it's it's just it's the most skippable. Animorphs book uh, that we've read so far, possibly in the whole series. Can you think of any more Animorphs books that that are just as mediocre and skippable as this one? Uh, no, I I can't. I mean, I I honestly we haven't gotten some of the possibly truly bad ones, but even those ones sound fun. Right, they sound like they have a plot that actually makes some damn sense. Um, this this is just. It's 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 nonsense is what it is. No, so that's... we just we just had a feeding an Andalite feeding ground story. That was the last book where where they did that. And now it's just like, oh yeah, let's recycle that whole uh, Andalite feeding ground idea and and turn it into this logging kind of story with a with a gigantic skunk subplot. Um 
and it it's it's just not entirely entertaining or memorable both of us we read this book what two weeks ago maybe and and we still just could not recall most things from this book i couldn't i couldn't remember most of the plot from this book a few days after i read it i mean literally i i it was that it left that much of an impression on me right i i just recall that there's a lot of stuff about skunks and it ended pretty disappointingly and that's that's what i was trying to say in my review is that no matter whose family was more animal centric uh both of us are completely on board, 100%, with the message of this book. But the way the message is presented in the plot is horrible. Yeah, I suppose. I'm still going to give it a 2 out of 5, though. Because I'm, yeah, I'm reserving... I'm reserving... I'm reserving ones for, for books that I, I actually felt like they angered me a little. And this one didn't anger me. Like, I mean, as I was reading it, I was like, yeah, whatever, this is entertaining. It's Animorphs, it's, you know, so it's going to be at least somewhat entertaining. Um, it's just when it's done, it's like, okay, shrug, move on to the next one. You know? It, it just seems like Animorphs filler, really. And, uh, yeah. But, see, that's what makes me angry, because I'm all, I'm all excited about the lore of the series and the universe it creates and what every book adds to it. And this doesn't add anything. I would say it substantially subtracts from yeah, kind of, of with the idiotic way that Visor Three keeps getting defeated. They really are watering him down as a villain at this point. They're watering down their heroes. I think Cassie, as much as we tear her apart in this series, which if you're if you're playing the drinking game they created for us on Reddit, uh, you're <laughs> wasted by the end of this episode um, because yeah, we've really <laughs> torn her apart this time too. But for all the joking and blah blah, blah and I know this, I say this every episode. Um, they have, up to this point, created a very interesting character with Cassie, who evens out the Animorphs. She's had growth. She's she's definitely a part of the series. I would never subtract her from it. I wouldn't even say she's the worst Animorph. But, oh my gosh, she is horrible in this book, and I just want to slap her. Yeah, I, I don't know. She she needs more character growth in, in different directions than... Uh, I love animals and nature and Jake. <laughs> those are her, those are her only two character developments so far, and it um, it definitely shows. Yeah, I, they definitely. Once you get past what is it, nineteen, that's where she really becomes her own character. And oh my gosh, the end of the series, she could arguably them be the most interesting character because of the events and and what she does in relation to the other animars. So. It's, she's not a bad character, and she has to be a part of this group. But it's just like they don't know how to write her yet or something. Or they keep having these missteps with her characters. It's crazy. I don't know. It just seems like every time we've, you know, been in her mind, which is only twice so far, <laughs> it's been the same kind of issues every time. It's a world of chaos and despair. Right, yeah. So, two out of five... Uh, Termite skunk morphs. <laughs> termite skunks? <laughs> yeah, termite skunk morphs. <laughs> That's good. That makes I sense. don't know, man. I'm sick and tired and tired of being sick. Yeah, I mean, I hope this doesn't end up being a uh, resentful episode to the Animorphs fans. Are there, are there really, you think there's some Book 9 purists out there who we've 
I know there was at least one comment either on Reddit or on our Facebook where someone was like, oh, I can't wait till you get to book nine. What? And, <laughs> yeah, I'm just serious. Someone said that. And I'm so sorry. Did they want to hear a disappointed review? I don't know. I think they were expecting us to like it. It's possible. But, but I don't we're know. Both maybe, maybe they were just we're talking gonna... about like, I want to hear them talk about skunks. Maybe. We're not going to pull our punches with this series. We both love it. We've established that. We're not tearing it apart to tear it apart. No, and you know what? Uh, that brings up a good point, actually. I think a kid, like, you know, us in fourth grade reading this would, would, would have a good time. Sure. But uh, coming back as, you know, 27-year-old adults, it's just, it does not hold up at all. And it's, I wish I hadn't read it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it's, we're re-examining the series. And I think we've been very lucky that so far each book has brought something new to the table. I mean, the alien had some missteps. Um, but other than that, I mean, I guess I still don't really like The Visitor that much uh, for the most part. But still, it's it's got leaps and bounds more interesting and more important things happening in it than this book. Right, yeah. So that's our reviews. <laughs> one and a one and a two. Yeah. I wonder I wonder what the first book for us both to give a one will be. I don't know. Um although I will say uh next week's review is going to be awesome. The I Android. am crazy excited for next week. Yep. That'll be a good one. And in fact, the one after that'll be a good one too, I've forgotten. So I don't know what's in book 11. <laughs> well, it's it's pretty enjoyable. Uh, let's get to some emails, all right? Yep, let me bring them up. Let's get this show on the road. On the road! All right, so we have a few emails, and they are arguably from the same person. Um, we're not entirely sure on this, or at least a couple are. Well, we'll give you the basics. But our first email is from Dylan Stone. And he just says, hello, I really enjoy your Animorphs podcast. Uh, you know there are some kids who today read Animorphs. I know this because I'm a kid and I love reading the books. I'm 13 right now and I picked up my first Animorphs book a few years ago at a used bookstore. The book was number 13, The Change. Anyway, my favorite character is Tobias and Cassie and my favorite books are 43, The Test, 19, The Departure, 7, The Stranger, and 33, The Illusion. My least favorites are 36, The Mutation, and 28, The Experiment. I can't wait. Okay, yeah, this is who I was talking about. I can't wait for the review for The Secret. P.S. All of Marco's Baywatch references in the message were changed to Jersey Shore references. What? Yeah. You're kidding me. That's what he says. Oh, that's terrible. That's pretty bad. Oh, this poor person. Although Marco, <laughs> it's possible he's making fun of it in the book. Huh. Well, that's disheartening. But yeah, Dylan, if you're still with us, if you didn't like throw your iPod across the room while listening to this, uh, we're sorry we hated the secret and you were excited for it. I I didn't hate it. Mitch, you hated it more than I did. You told me behind the scenes. (laughs) I already edited it out. Trying to save face with Applegate because you know she listens to every one of the episodes. Dylan. You know that Coleman is a dirty liar? And that, uh... Dirty? No, it's just... 
Maybe when you get older, you'll understand. <laughs> <laughs> we'll explain it to you when you go. No, but um, but no, I think that's awesome. That I, I wouldn't have even expected that that a twelve or thirteen year old now, when the books aren't really being super promoted, uh, that they would uh, still be being picked up and bought. Well, see, this is exactly what I'm talking about, though. This is a younger reader who very clearly enjoyed the book, so. Obviously, I think we're just being snooty. <laughs> yeah, it's possible, but I don't think we're being that snooty. I think, I think even someone younger can pick up on quality and well, and how. Like I said, are. it's a fine story. It's just not important to the I animorphs. Argue the fine story part, but <laughs> that's just me. All right, so now this is going to be a little dicey, but I have two emails here. One from a Dan Xander, and one from a Dan Alexander. And then we also have some uh, Reddit comments under the same name that this Gmail account is linked to. So I'm going to make a wild assumption here that this is all the same person. And he, you know, he says in his first email to us, uh, Coleman and Mitchell, I just recently got into your podcast, and I've been marathoning through episodes all week long. I've been yep. a devoted fan of the Anwar series since it first came out in '96, and I've not missed a book until it ended. It has lived in my, it has lived on in my memory ever since, and it's amazing to see the series come to life again in your podcast. And being able to re- uh, relive all the best moments with you two has sent me on trips down memory lane with every episode you release. I haven't been very involved in the Anwar subreddit, and I've only toyed with the thought of auditioning for the audiobook project. But listening to your podcast has inspired me to not let the embers of childhood memories fade back into obscurity. I hope to become much more involved in Animorphs community on Reddit, the audiobook project, as well as, hopefully, a contributor to some of the discussion in your podcast. You will likely be hearing from me again, both via email and Reddit, as user Craven or Geist. Yeah, I think that's how it's brown. <laughs> as soon as I am all caught up on your podcast. So, he's, he goes on to... Uh, mention quite a few things uh just having to do with things we've discussed and just just a great email overall both the emails because he, he then if this is the same person which i'm assuming it is it's, it's pretty likely um goes in to talk about our episode eight um well he did mention also that we brought up in episode eight that we didn't know how many times they'd fallen from a high you know high place and had to morph to get out of it they, oh yeah they did I, didn't, that. I didn't think it was that many though <laughs> Well, he doesn't bring up all of them, but he did mention that they did do that in book three when they were falling out of the tanker. Yeah, I told you that. <laughs> yeah, you did, but, you know, he wanted to follow it up. Um, and he also has a point to uh, um, talk about Axe's fleas and how they stay with him, because we were talking about that. Oh, yeah. And he says, I-, I think it would be, I think it would tie directly into the premise of being able to morph clothing, because fleas are so close to your body, they were pretty much count as clothing and stay with your body when it goes into disease space. Come to that when you consider all the microorganisms when you consider all the microorganisms living inside your body that are not part of your genetic makeup, by necessity these creatures would have to stay with your body when you morph back. Otherwise, you would have to go through a a complete amino supplementation regimen every time you morph. So he's completely right. All the bacteria in our stomach uh, and, and mouth and everything that actually, you know, keeps us alive on this filthy planet uh, yeah that would have to be transported into disease space so a flea or something would <clears throat> go along with it right huh i 
guess that makes sense. Very interesting point. I think that could also go with Yerps. I think uh, if you had a Yerp in your brain, obviously, we've already seen it morph, but uh, that goes into a little more. Because I, your brain and your thoughts, actually, they're in Z-space controlling the body you're in. So that's oh, yeah. how a Yerp would work as well, I guess. That is weird to think about that way. Yeah, well, I, I don't. they didn't really bring all that up into the series, I don't believe, so... Uh, we have to figure these things out for ourselves as fans of the series. And he also commented some stuff on Reddit, but I don't have that in front of me. But thank you, Dan, for chiming in and uh, giving us a lot to think about. You, two really good emails and quite a bit on Reddit that we've been talking back and forth with. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot on Reddit. And um, everybody else should come on out and join the conversation. <laughs> uh, we also got a... Uh, another five-star review on iTunes, which could be from Dan as well. Not sure. But whoever that was, thank you very much. The more five-star reviews, or just reviews in general on iTunes, uh, might get us featured and spread the word of the podcast. And we want, really we really want it to grow much more than it already has. And it's growing really fast already. But I want to see it blow up. I want to see new Animorphs fans, people who've never heard of it, they jump onto the front page of iTunes and they're like, Thought Speak, what's this? And not to promote ourselves or make ourselves more famous or anything like that, but to uh, get this series back in the hands of people who would enjoy it. So I'm in it strictly for fame. Yeah, I'm I'm in it for the money, all the <laughs> sweet cash we're pulling in from podcasting. <laughs> Wait, we make money off this? You don't. <laughs> um, I would also like to point out that. Uh, on our Facebook page, we got a message from one uh, Jeremy Crepo. I don't know. I'm butchering it. Sorry, Jeremy. Um, but he sent a lovely picture of his uh, Animorphs book collection. And um, I think it's it's cool because he's got some bookends. I don't know where he obtained these from, but they're uh, they look like official Animorphs art bookends. Scholastic must have been giving them out at some point in the 90s, because he's got them. And it looks like he's actually got the Animorphs VHS tapes as well. Whoa. Yeah. And uh, a bunch of the reprints, too. So kudos, Jeremy, on your collection. Uh, I think I will post this picture on the website, maybe. And that brings me to a very uh, point of begging here. Um, I think it would be cool if uh, any fans that have the physical book collection would like to share a photo of theirs. We would love to put them on our website. I'm not going to say we have a prize for the best and most uniquely arranged collection. <laughs> Don't say that we have a prize. But we might have a prize. You never know. It could be a rare Animorphs artifact that is signed by Kay Applegate herself. Now, I'm not saying that we'll give away anything super cool. I'm not going to say that we'll have, you know, monetary rewards. Here's here's the reward. Here you go. Uh, whoever sends in the best picture of themselves with their Animorphs collection in some kind of uniquely arranged way, or uh, maybe you and the books are interacting in a unique way, uh, me and Mitch will fax a picture of ourselves with thumbs up to whatever fax number you would want us to fax it no, to. No, no, no. You and I will print out the picture that they send 
and then we will hold that picture up and have a picture of us taken, smiling and thumbs upping, and then we'll sign that, we'll autograph that picture and send it to them. <laughs> Here, I'll even I'll even say it another way. If you find a unique way to arrange yourself with your book collection and send that picture to us, and we choose you as the best one, we will take the picture of you arranged that way and arrange ourselves around our book collections and send it and post it. So, <laughs> I promise nothing. All I want are pictures of book collections. <laughs> I just want to make a contest out of it. Because I only have two books left, and then I am hella posting mine. I have so. four books left, unfortunately. <laughs> Although, listeners, I want you to chime in on this as well. I have been searching and grinding oh, and walking the streets <laughs> to find Panhandling. my Panhandling. <laughs> we'll work for Animorphs books. <laughs> yeah, I've I've been uh I've been really, you know, running around uh all over the place looking by hand and getting my uh, Animorphs books. Whereas Mitch has gotten quite a few of his from Amazon and online. So I don't I don't know. I don't know what you hold as the uh, more impressive (laughs) collection as far as finding it and collecting it, but uh, I think I think Mitch I think Mitchell has taken the easy way out. And I think you're completely and utterly stupid, and there's nothing wrong with purchasing books online. Edited out. (laughs) You're edited out of this podcast. Uh, It's just gonna be me talking and then silence and then me talking. Don't care, lol. And it's gonna be oh wow now you're definitely edited out for saying that. <laughs> um, all right, well let's uh, let's kill it. Let's this is, this is it. This is the end of the number you know number nine the secret episode. Yeah, so that's our review for Animorphs book nine the secret. Come next time for book ten the android, a much better book, one that I'm super excited to read. In fact, I want to read that book. <laughs> what? Oh, book 10. Okay. (laughs) Go for it. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for listening. You can find more ways to listen to the show by going to thoughtspeakcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at MorphCast or like us on Facebook. Send us your thoughts on an upcoming episode by emailing us at thoughtspeakcast at gmail.com, and we'll read it on air as we've done today. Finally, reviews on iTunes really help out the show and attract more listeners. So anything you can do on that front, uh, we really appreciate it. And I can't stress it enough. The more popular this gets, the better the content gets, the better equipment we can get, the longer we'll do this. So we hope to finish the series, but we're very busy people, and we want to see that you guys are committed to it too. So get on there. Get on iTunes. uh, Drop us a review. Yeah. And uh, pictures of the book collections. Let's see them. Anyway, so thanks again for another great episode. I hope hope we haven't you know, torn this one apart too much that people don't get pissed off. I doubt it. But uh, join us next time for the awesome, awesome Android. Thanks again, everybody, and have a good rest of your day. That was a dumb ending. Take care! (laughs) Have a good one, everybody. Uh, Peace!